time for it now. Coming along Main Street here. If you're hearing my voice through your headphones or radio speakers, that must mean you're listening to the second episode of Oral Regions. My name is Brian Garcia, and Oral Regions is a fiction storytelling podcast that aims to recreate what a character's headspace sounds like in real time as they tell a story. The story is In the Sepulchre There by the Sea, written and performed by Brittany Allen. The story itself is kind of a babysitter's self-reflection and therapy in the form of a bedtime fable. So without further ado, I bring you In the Sepulchre There by the Sea. They used to race to the bottom of the hill, and one day, such and such a feeling they felt after, those thumping hearts, those blooms of sweat, began to make a case for something big, bigger. Now, at this point in time, he was 33, and she was 22, and it always seemed to be hurricane season. Strike that. No, this all just took place over the course of a single hurricane season, and there weren't too many hills in Miami. So, now people will tell this... I'm telling you this as a cautionary tale, Denise. Do you know what that means, little fan? It means the burden falls on you now. You've got to tell this story to all of your little friends. Tell them at their birthday parties. Tell them with urgency. Just as they're going to blow out their candles, I want you to whisper, this is how you begin to know better. Bob the evidence off like it's advice. Now you're allowed to condense it and twist it for theatricality. I'd expect nothing less, but make sure the moral sticks. No, come on, you know what a moral is. It's like the button on your blouse. It's the point of the thing. Okay, so there weren't too many hills in Miami, aren't. But the ones that are sweep down from high dunes straight onto the beach. Running is very difficult. After these piano lessons to shake it off, they leave the beautiful beachfront property and hustle to the top of the closest dune, and he'd yell, go, and there would be some hemming and hawing in this moment, the moment just before, because, you know, it's actually quite dangerous to go skidding out across a dune, and one is advised to proceed with caution. I'd never let you do something like this without my supervision. Ooh, okay, I, what's the word? Digress. Okay, okay, okay. So, see them start. Follow my finger, all worried and thrilled. They might step in any manner of tangled kelp or beach trash and go falling ass backwards into the ocean. And meanwhile, the lifeguard would sometimes glance over from the big white contraption thing and shake his or her head as a warning, depending on the lifeguard, of course. Some of them were more easygoing than others, but because it was a dangerous thing, these two were playing at. And they were, of course, a tad too old to play this way. They'd breathe deep and race anyway. Every single day there was a piano lesson and the weather was mild, running for the ocean, all to shake off jazz standards. Mostly Ella Fitzgerald. Sailing. Sailing in their way. Now he usually let her win these races. In hurricane season, as you and I know, the beach is eerie calm just until the day it's not. For some reason, that edge to the weather gave him a great deal of comfort. Deal he of liked comfort. to tell her he'd known this beach in a real storm before, like he was some kind of ranger. He liked to boast about how no hurricane had ever made him leave the beautiful beachfront property because he was such a tough man. The man, meanwhile, his name is Greg, wore glasses and cargo shorts more often than not, and he'd make a big fuss over securing the clasps on the shorts and the band on the glasses mid-run down the dune, like 
These harried him so. And such fumbling gestures could make them both laugh in concert. You know, like they were at a concert. And then, over the course of this short, short haul, she would arrive at the base of the dune, wild and free and screeching, Victory! 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 There were no prizes. There was nothing to win. It was all supposed to be just good, clean fun. Yet once they reached the water, he really liked to grab her about the midriff and hoist her up high enough to see a ways farther down the beach than she ordinarily could, as a person slightly shorter than he. Now, hurricane season doesn't last long, and the planets aligned only every so often, so the reality is the race happened fewer times than you can count on ten fingers. But uh, do you ever think that something that happened like five or six times was an entire period, at least in your memory and your mind? The period of being seven years old, say. You're going to think it was a lot longer once you turned ten. It was not. Okay, now pay attention. Hey, pay attention, won't you? Put that down. All right, I already mentioned that he was her teacher. Like I am your sitter, he was your teacher. That made it complicated. Complicated as a concept is introduced on the last day of their races, just before Hurricane Isabel, it turned out. It got complicated the moment she went to kiss him on the mouth while he was holding her high in the air, and he did kiss her back without once adjusting his glasses or his cargo shorts. They kissed for a long time. It was a kiss they both won for keeping the metaphor tidy. Not that you know what a metaphor is, but in fact, so long did they kiss that they collapsed ass backwards onto the beach and were then made to deal with clam shells and kelp in their hair in the crooks of their elbows, the sand in their sweat. It's hard to really explain what this feels like until you actually kiss somebody on the mouth yourself. And I don't mean you know, a member of the Alston family. Actually, it's a little bit like family. It's like coming home. No, you know what it is? It's very safe. Because when you're kissing someone and they're kissing you, you're both certain you can't be worried about anything else for at least the whole expanse of the kiss. I mean, when it's over, problems will come back in, but not for those few seconds. In this way, love is... And in this way, it is a big effing deal. Okay, listen up. As you grow, people will begin to tell you it's impossible to love in just one direction, or to love someone without their consent. It's apparently unreal, right? Love is unreal when it's brief, or once it's over, or if it was always only something in someone's head. It is my own personal belief as your present figure of authority, that the people who preach this are liars, okay? There are there many are modes and moments, and moments to it. Boys and girls and boys and boys and girls are a song that sounds different to everyone. And that will be important to carry with put you. Because down. I, I told you to put that down, okay? Put it down. I asked nicely. Okay, so he kissed her for a long time. And then started saying it would be complicated too complicated. There was just too much kelp to keep kissing. He figured they ought to stop. He was much older after all, but his life did not look like how he thought it might when he was her age and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ambitious. Greg was not playing music to sold-out concert halls or wearing nice suits on the daily. And the girl, her name was Lee, by the way, her whole life was a big tangle. She wasn't yet equipped to make neat. It's very frustrating. It gets more frustrating. You'll see. The only way these two knew how to speak to each other, I mean, was in the urgent language of rolling down these dunes. 
and a kiss, I'm sure you can can extract from what you see around you whispers of family reunions and original wedding vows, impish toddlers, or bigger kids like you. Also picking out wallpaper, pledges of many, many kinds. For all people make fun of your parents, Mama and Papa Alston sure have got parts of it down. When you're older, the wallpaper in this room is going to make you so, so grateful. Okay, this won't mean very much to you, but my parents had a flaccati rug in our living room. I grew up with bad taste. I want you to look up at the lovely walls of your almost entire life. Look. Seriously, look. Now see, some unfortunate day, you will have cause to call these some of the little things. Look, ah, keep getting off track. All right, once the kiss was over, as important to kiss in retrospect as any scene on television, the hurricane came and it flooded the beautiful waterfront property and the piano was the main casualty. When he called her to explain why the lessons must cease, she told him she'd been planning to quit anyways. During this phone call, she bawled in her fist the small prepared speech she'd labored over while the power was out at her own house. The one that called him immature and cowardly and an opportunist, which FYI is code for someone who hurts someone else simply because they can. Once relief efforts came through Miami and the basement of the waterfront property was thoroughly pumped, the girls started visiting a stretch of beach about a mile from those highest dunes. Sometimes with friends and sometimes alone. With the friends, she'd drink 40s, never mind, and dance around bonfires to old rock and roll. And when she was alone, she liked to write poetry about the ocean in a marble blue journal. Force tears to come, make herself feel things. And she kept thinking the lifeguard would look over while she did this. <laughs> the lifeguard never did, never or she never saw. Hey, I told you to put that down. Don't you care about your future? Jesus. All right. All right. All right. One day, feeling something we can't quite know, the girl went swimming in the ocean. It was dusk and she had no bathing suit, so she swam naked. Don't giggle. It gets really serious. It's very rare that a person is mauled by a shark in real life as opposed to the movies, but this girl was very Royal great white tugged on her leg, and at first I like to imagine that she laughed at the wild improbability of the thing. But soon it was the opposite of funny, and she was screaming and dying in bloody streaks like paint across the sea. Now the importance of this death should be stressed because we can never know what it feels like to be eaten alive by a rogue great white shark, unless of course, we ourselves are one day eaten alive by a rogue great white. Do you see what I mean? Will you hold my fist now? Okay? Will you knock on wood with me? From the perch, the lifeguard whistled and whistled and whistled, but help came late. It's all in the timing. To her funeral, don't cry yet, he brought an ex-girlfriend. The mother asked Greg to play piano, mentioning how much the girl had loved the lessons. The ex-girlfriend of Greg's was unsure how to feel or sit or dress, but she knew just what to say to the girl's former parents in the receiving line. Greg did not. Greg was very quiet through the whole shebang. Greg played forever 
forever, for he played forever young on the piano with a three-piece backup band he'd known for many years. And most importantly, in brief, unsolicited introduction remarks, Greg choked up before saying the girl had been truly remarkable and bound for all great things. One someone with a smudge of zinc on their nose in the back row. All right, and now, more things we can never know. How much the man, man loves the, the girl. Loves the girl. If we take as given that everyone is capable of loving everyone else in some brief way, if they only elect to for a little while, how much did he love her? How well did he know her? Did he just want the girl to go quietly? Was he terribly afraid or terribly in love with somebody else or just terribly unable to communicate or cope? Many mistakes were made, perhaps. Then again, perhaps just one. You know, sometimes I think our hearts can break just because we treat them like they're breakable. More, 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 more things we cannot know. Alas, how long would the girl have lived if anyone had been able to prevent the rogue great white from doing its damning final deed? What would she have done with the extra time? Would she have one day mastered the piano? Where would she have traveled? Would she have committed any terrible crimes with the lifeguard by her side? Forever and always, and etc., etc., etc. What do you mean more? I mean that's the end. Your parents will be home any minute. Put your PJs on now. All right. Now lights out. That was in the sepulchre there by the sea, written and performed by Brittany Allen. And I'd like to personally thank Brittany for letting me record her story. Music featured in this episode was by William Bell, Ruby Braff, and Ellis Larkin, Bill Medley, and Jennifer Warren's Garrett Day's YouTube cover of Alphaville, Lulu, and Kareem Riggins. If you'd like to collaborate with me on your story, or if you'd just like to find out more information about this here podcast, go to oralregions.com. So I'd like to personally thank you for listening to this episode of Oral Regions. Stay tuned for more. Oh,